1: Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to The Power of Young People to Change the World. I'm your host, Amy Muirs, and I'm here every Thursday on Voice of America Empowerment Radio, where we're going to explore young people using their ideas, creativity, and passion to shape a better world and how educators can utilize the power of service learning to redesign education. We have a great show for you today. I'm very excited about our guests. We're going to meet three founders of the Dynamic Champions of Sisterhood. And just as an aside, I absolutely love their their nonprofit name. And it's their passion to empower girls around the world. I uh, first had the opportunity to meet these amazing young women at the Points of Light Conference Youth Leadership Summit in 2019. Um, the National Youth Leadership Council, we were leading this two-day leadership training that culminated in a Shark Tank-like Pitch Project, Um, and it was evident right from the start that Sunny, Coco, and Daisy were going to be a force. Um, They received a grant to bring their idea to life, and here we are three years later, and they've launched their own nonprofit dedicated to empowering girls from around the world. So the Dynamic Champions of Sisterhood, they bring together girls from places like Afghanistan, India, and Togo, and across the U.S., and they participate in these book clubs where they get to share their thoughts, ideas, and speak their minds about topics that they might not otherwise talk about. They're really creating a safe space where girls can share their voice, where they get to feel empowered. And I think most importantly, they get to feel heard. You know, youth voice is so important. It's a core value of NYLC, and it drives everything that we do as an organization. Um, Without it, we would miss out on the creativity, energy, and really that passion that we need from young people to solve the issues that our world is facing. Um, Youth are at the front lines of global change, but not all young people, especially girls, have the opportunity to share their voice You know, across the world, um, there's this lack of education and engagement of young women, um, and it has a lasting impact on families' health and economic well-being, you know, and educating girls just isn't enough. Uh, They need to feel safe and supported not only in their learning, but in sharing their voice. And not just in that school environment, but in their own homes and across communities. As an organization, um, we've been doing work um, for nearly 40 years in this field. And we still see this need to train adults on how to partner with young people. I always find our trainings fascinating, um, especially when adults come in and think that youth voice means that youth run everything and make all the decisions. You know, and the the adult role is to check in and make sure that everything looks good. You know, it's like the person who comes in and turns on the lights, make sure the meeting gets started, and then they sit down the hall. But the best results come when youth and adults really partner together. Youth lead with adult support. It's about equity in the leadership and the relationship. Everyone brings something to the table. We all add value, right? Um, So it's that youth-adult partnership. Um, I'm often asked to share with other nonprofit and foundation leaders the role that our Youth Advisory Council plays at NYLC. Other organization wants wants to start their own youth council or add youth to their board of directors. And my first response is always to ask, are other adult staff members of your organization ready to work in partnership with youth? Are you ready to have youth as part of your decision-making process? And are you willing to partner with youth instead of leading youth? If youth youth don't have a stake in decision-making, then they aren't ready to have a youth council or youth on their board. Youth need a seat at the table where they can bring new perspectives and innovations to issues. So let's meet these three young leaders who have created their own table as well as seats for girls across the world. I wanna start with our youngest guest, Sunny. She's 15 years old and in ninth grade. She was just 10 when she noticed the need for youth to have their viewpoints heard and be a bigger part of a more peaceful world. She organized and held a peace rally in her hometown on the International Day of Peace. She, along with her sisters, also developed a mental health curriculum and trained middle schoolers on how good inner peace can lead to world peace. Then we have Daisy, or I'm sorry, then we have Coco, who is 16, um, who's a junior in high school. Coco participates in a number of leadership programs focused on women and girl empowerment, human rights and activism. She's passionate about developing young people as leaders who are ready to fix problems and who are committed to coming together instead of apart. And last but not least, we have Daisy. Uh, Daisy is 17 and a junior in high school. Just like her sister, she holds several leadership positions involving human rights, interfaith, female empowerment, and activism. Daisy shared that her ultimate goal is to empower young girls worldwide to have the skills, confidence, and ability to join the world's conversations and create long term change and impact in their own communities. It is my absolute pleasure to welcome Sunny, Coco, and Daisy to the show. Welcome, ladies.
2: Hello, thank you. Thank I'm really you for having us in.
1: Absolutely. I am so excited to learn more about your nonprofit and the work that you guys are doing globally. So first let's learn a little bit more about each of you. How did the three of you decide that you wanted to address girl empowerment?
3: Yeah, so we're all sisters, and about four years ago, we had the chance to sponsor three girls who are exactly our ages. We go to College Montfant, a boarding school in Togo, West Africa, Josephine, Adele, and Marine, And we raised the money ourselves to cover their tuition, but we also wanted to talk to them and, you know, get to know them more as friends and as peers. So with the help of a French translator, we held the Skype conversation with them. But we quickly learned that our lives were so different that we could hardly hold a conversation beyond the weather. Um, They had no extracurricular activities at school, they weren't a part of any uh, sports teams, they didn't have books to read, and over the holiday break, while we explained um, that we were watching movies and went sledding, they sold goods at their local market to help support their families. Um, And the whole time they kept on thanking us for sponsoring their education, and to be honest, it made us feel uncomfortable and like we held the power over their futures. And this uneven power dynamic made it hard to see each other as friends. And it was awkward for 11-, 12-, and 13-year-olds to feel this way. But this was only the beginning of our understanding of empowerment.
2: So I think to elaborate on that um, further is that basically we didn't intend, we didn't start out with the idea of girls empowerment, we actually started out by just trying to do the good thing and to sponsor education, but it began there and it went so much further.
1: Thank you for sharing that. Um, It's really interesting to think about that power dynamic. Um, And before we jump into that a little bit more, I have to know What's it like working with your sisters? Um, you know, is there a power dynamic there? Does one of you tend to take charge over the others?
4: Yeah, so um, throughout the years, we figured out how to divide and conquer. So like one of us might be doing communications, while one of us might be working on editing the posts and content, and then um, one might be overseeing and managing projects. On certain things, one of us will have an upper hand and will take charge um, of course, we wouldn't be as, like, effective and efficient without our mom's nonprofit expertise and co- cross-culture guidance and making sure that we stay on the rails. Um, but, yeah, but, but because we're all together, we can often and easily bounce ideas off of one another. We also don't have to worry about, like, arguing and worry about those, like, you know, kind of work environments as we're sisters. So, it's not really needed and we kind of know what we're thinking, what the other one's thinking. So it's actually pretty nice to work
1: together. Any of the other sisters want to jump in? Definitely. I
3: agree. The work environment, um, it's kind of a very family run business kind of, and it just brings all the support with each other.
1: That's wonderful. It's great to hear that you guys have created um, a positive work culture. Um, Sometimes working with relatives doesn't always uh, go as planned. So it's good to hear that you guys have figured it out. That's wonderful. Um, How did you decide that creating a nonprofit was what you wanted to do?
2: Yeah. So um, by creating um, a nonprofit, we would not only have a better business model um, that would be a long lasting and sustainable model to accumulate money to facilitate the book club, um, but also it was a better way to reach out to foreign organizations and other countries. But I think the most important part is that we we call ourselves um, social scientists, and that is what we became. Um, And rather than simply being the American heroes, um, the stereotype of, like, Western saviors, um, in the beginning, it really did apply to us. And until we started recognizing kind of the power that we had to impact these girls for better or worse, um, you know, we, and, you know, and since then, we we've become more engaged in continual research of what the actual problems are rather than throwing money and resources at them without understanding who they are um, and the real cause of their problems and how self-empowerment can be achieved. Um, So we have no idea how things will turn out oftentimes, but we're doing our best way to navigate through them. Um, And we found that while we can try one thing and discover parts of it may be beneficial, other parts can create issues that we didn't Um, that we hadn't anticipated. Um, And we can give you kind of an example of that. Like um, when we talk to the, you know, when the Indian girls are more empowered to reach for bigger futures, it can be harder for them in a way to live in a society of poverty and gender oppression. Um, And I remember hearing Minal, um, the director of the organization we work with in India, uh, saying that the girls without aspirations are a blank slate have an easier time dealing with their realities. Um, And so basically to sum it up, you know, we created a nonprofit originally for logistics and, you know, recognition. But in the end, what we realized is that it is so much more than that.
1: It's amazing when um, we're going to take a short break, but when we come back, I want to hear a little bit more about that term social scientists. I'm very intrigued. So we're going to take a brief pause. And when we return, we'll continue our conversation with the dynamic champions of sisterhood. So stay with us on the power of young people to change the world. Voice America Empowerment Radio. We'll be right back.
0: Visit nylc.org to learn more today.
5: Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: You are listening to The Power of Young People to Change the World with Amy Muirs To find out more about Amy and the National Youth Leadership Council, please visit nylc.org. Now back to the show. Welcome back, everyone.
1: Um, today I'm joined by three amazing young women, Daisy, Coco, and Sunny Letter the masterminds behind the dynamic champions of sisterhood and social scientists. Um, Let's get back to our discussion. Um, I wanted to have us dig in a little bit more um, into the dynamic champions of sisterhood. Um, Can you guys tell us about the mission and what you do as an organization? Of course. So
3: DCS empowers girls to change the world from the inside out. And what does that mean? means that our goal is to empower girls to change the world by changing the way that they see themselves in it. So we work with girls in Pune, India, who live in a, um, in a slum. We work, we work with girls in Afghanistan who live in a war zone. And um, we also work with girls in Togo who live in a remote boarding school forgotten by the rest of the world. And what we've noticed that they all have in common is that they all have powerful voices, ideas, and dreams. And they all have plans for the future, and they want to help their country for the better. But despite all their hardships, we've already, um, despite all of their hardships, we've already seen proof that they are taking these opportunities presented to them and thriving. And this empowerment is done through the platform of book clubs where mental health, female empowerment, and cross-cultural understanding and where sisterhood is being built.
1: Do any of the other sisters want to share at all about the work that you're
2: doing? Um, Yeah, I think what Sunny said pretty much sums it up, but see, it's true. What what we're doing is we are specifically based off of our mom's contacts. Um, We're we're going to these places um, where these girls really don't have any way of sharing their voice. Um, And even if they wanted to, they can't. And like, Sonny mentioned um, there are Afghan girls who live in a war zone and would be and also these girls are of ethnic minorities, and so they could be persecuted so much worse by the Taliban if they were ever uh, found out and so you know we're dealing with some really heavy duty stuff for sure
1: that's absolutely amazing. I know you guys had the opportunity to participate in a leadership summit a couple of years ago um where you learned about service learning. And I'm wondering if any of that um, skill building development that you have done help has helped you advance your mission and work with girls um, that are in such different um, locations than you are.
4: Uh, yes, it, it really has. So yeah, uh, she's- as you said, like we participated in the summit um, a few years ago, and it was really important in helping us like reevaluate our mission, um, and like going to the conference and working with other individuals helped, kind of like point us in a way where we can understand what our why is. Like we understood what our nonprofit did and we understood how we did it, but we didn't fully understand like, what's our why? Like, why are we doing this? And, the, and participating in the summit really helped us come up, like put our why into words and then uh, be able to present it. So that was a huge help. And now we're able to say our why um, at a drop of the hat. So it was just really um, helpful in that sense.
1: That's amazing. Um, The what's your why is one of my favorite trainings. So yeah, to be able to articulate that and you guys do that very well. Who has helped you along the way, turn your passion for empowering girls into this reality? I think I've heard your mom's name dropped a couple of times, but um, tell us a little bit more about um, who's helped you.
4: Yeah, I mean and like you said it it really was um our mom because she's always been Um, She's always been like a lover of knowledge and especially like global and cultural understanding. Also, she um, used to run a nonprofit that did similar things to connect teens from all over the world. Um, And she's our connection to like Afghanistan, India and Togo. And so we've always just kind of grown up in this kind of like nonprofit world, um, which has really helped us. And she's like our main support in like management, cross cultural understanding and communication. So yeah,
1: <laughs> are there any other um, adult mentors um, in your in your life that you'd like to to talk about or to give a shout out to?
6: Um.
4: Yeah, I guess all of our. Um, yeah, all of our board members. So like Maddie Wagner, um, she's. Yeah. And she works at like NYLC and she's been a huge help and just like connecting us to different, like, um, leadership training things where like the, the, the summit where we're able to evaluate what our why is. And she's just been a huge help and just like not only being a supporter, but helping us, um, formulate into words what we are have been trying to express through our nonprofit.
1: So speaking of words, um, How do you get girls from across the globe to join in your book club? And how do you choose the books um, that you're going to talk about?
2: Thank you, Amy. Yeah, that is a wonderful question on how we choose the books. I think um, there are a few different factors um, that make up this decision process. Um, One is material access. So what can they get? What do they... um, What what can they get? Um, What is available to them? A lot of the times um, they have very um, like in Afghanistan and um, Togo, they have a very limited um, bookstore and you really can't even call it a bookstore. Um, Oh, I'm sorry. Was your question about how did you get girls from across the globe to join your book club?
1: it's both so you're right on track so
2: okay my apologies okay I'll just continue with how we chose the books yeah so it depends on that and then it also depends on the different times and places to kind of um you know we we pick the books to give us um, an opportunity for the girls to externalize and reflect on themselves um through different places and times in the book Um, um and then we also try to you know pick content that can allow them to express themselves um, and externalize pain. Um, and girls in America, girls in Togo, girls in Afghanistan, all of us are going through something um, and on different levels. Um, But either way, again, the power of our sisterhood and in our name is that we are together in externalizing our pain and we're supporting each other. And then finally, you know, the books, we want to make sure that they're empowering instead of disempowering. Um, So for example, like we first read books that Togo had when we began our discussions with them. Um, And most of um, were West African novels that kind of followed a, th- um, a common thread of like post-colonialism, like themes of poverty, loss of identity, oppression, racism, and opposition to Westernization. But um, I think two years after that, we unfortunately realized that we didn't really have any positive views on their life and country. Like we really didn't see them. We saw everything that, you know, Post-colonialism had left them, but that was it. Um, and so, you know, bringing back this term, Amy, um, social scientists, you know, as the, as um, social scientists, we realized that it wasn't about being able to just read. Um, rather, it was about what we read. You know, and reading nothing but books about how your ancestors and culture got wiped out by French colonists who left you with nothing isn't emotional nourishment for a teenage girl in Togo. It's actually traumatizing. Um, and so what we came up with was the idea of sending them books, um, with different world settings, um, cultures and characters, um, empowering books that all girls can relate to, like Anne Frank, Les Miserables, um, and inspiring African novels like The Greenbelt Movement by Wangari Masai, um, and Botswanan female detective series. So we hope these books will match our hypothesis of empowerment, but there's still so many variables to consider. Um, and discover so we'll see
1: that's absolutely amazing and (laughs) (laughs) uh, it's I want to join your book club I'm just saying that now and I'm guessing that there's a lot of listeners who are like how do I how do I join your book club how do you get girls I'm going back to this question but how do you how do you get the girls um, from across the globe to join your book club how do they get involved
4: um yeah so like again it was really through I guess like our mom, because she has a lot of connections and she did a lot of work with the people that we're working with in these other countries. And she also has a really strong call, like cross-cultural understanding um, that has guided us in like what we can and can't do in these countries. Um, so, like with India and Afghanistan, she did a lot of groundwork in, on training the facilitators and girls to think critically and expand their minds for like over a decade. So we had a lot of like leeway with them. Um, but we're now realizing that with Togo, we're actually currently working on like clearing that runway for girls' empowerment, the same way our mom did with the other countries.
1: I'm stunned into silence. Truly, um, how do you guys navigate the language and cultural barriers um, that have to come up with so such diverse backgrounds coming together?
3: So I would definitely say um, this is one of the hardest parts when coming up with the discussion questions. There are a few obstacles. Um, One might be creating the questions um, that can be understood and processed with depth, yet not too abstract, um, it can be confusing. Uh, Monitoring the participants' writings, um, looking for not only like um, grammar errors, but figurative languages, um, and slang that are commonly used that can get lost in translation. Um, other than language though, the cultural barriers aren't too much because we um, encourage a lot of ex- um, um, explaining about certain cultural aspects others um, might wouldn't understand. Um, our skilled translators, of course, um, know how to do this really well. So we also make sure that the um, we also make sure to monitor American participants. For example, when we talk to Afghanistan, we make sure to mention that we're maybe wearing modest clothing to respect the modesty of the Afghan culture. We also try to um, make sure that heavier topics like racism and politics are accurately and carefully shared.
1: I'm curious, um, Sunny. I think that was Sunny. You were answering that question. Is there any, res- are you guys doing any research before the cu- before you're engaging with these countries yourselves to make sure you understand the culture?
2: Yes, yes. Um, actually, it is really interesting because I feel like we refer to our mom a lot, um, but she actually came, she created um social studies curriculum through her nonprofit work um and based off of her travels. I think she's been to Afghanistan about 12 times. Um and so for that, you know, we we read her curriculum and there are also a lot of great um resources um and in our schools as well, um, although they're not always that in depth. But yeah, we really try to understand not only like um what's happening right now, but the history of it and why it's happening right now um and so we sent a lot of resources to our American participants um as well so that they can be informed and they can handle um these situations like for example um the other in our last book club one girl was talking one Afghani girl was talking about how the Taliban had poisoned the girls the villages um their water supply and so for that you know they 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 um You know, the American girls didn't really know how to respond to that. And without the training, um, they would have kept it that way. But luckily, we helped them, we helped them talk it through, um, and they're all better for it. So those are the kind of tricky, you know, situations we have to navigate.
1: I think that's a perfect opportunity to take one more pause where we all ponder what you just talked about. So we're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Sonny, Coco, and Daisy. So stay with me, Amy Muirs on the power of young people to change the world. We'll be right back.
0: Visit nylc.org to learn more today.
5: Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America
0: Empowerment. You are listening to The Power of Young People to Change the World with Amy Muirs To find out more about Amy and the National Youth Leadership Council, please visit nylc.org. Now back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. If you're just joining us, I'm here
1: with Sunny, Daisy, and Coco Leonard, the founders of the Dynamic Champions of Sisterhood, and we're discussing girl empowerment. And I just want to thank you all again for joining me this afternoon. Um, we left off, we were talking about um, the different cultures, and you shared a story about the girls from Afghanistan um, and some of the things that they have they are dealing with in their own community, I'm curious, can you share what you've learned about other cultures that have surprised you? Obviously, I think that story that you shared is probably one of them, but what are some of the things that you've learned that have really surprised you?
4: Yeah, so like, as you were saying, as social scientists, um, we've, we've discovered this concept of empowerment that relates to education. So on one hand, education is empowering because you will know more than you did before, such as like reading, writing, being able to discern, all the obvious things. Um, But we are surprised when working with Togo that um, it's actually more than that. So the education of these girls is absolutely, totally dependent on foreigners. Um, and that's why the three girls thanked us again and again when we first had those Skype calls with them. It's because we held all the cards and they knew it. And that's not empowering. It's like, it's, and we sort of came to this realization that even though you can throw all this money and resources at them, you're still painting that narrative that they... Um, that they can't do it themselves. And that's not empowering. Um, and so through this, we also learned about their school method and system. And it's, it's a thing called rote learning and it's to memorize and repeat. So basically uh, you have to get the right answer. And if you don't, you lose. Thus, you, know, you don't get to move forward in school. And that's not empowering. That's just training them to do what you're told and you won't get in trouble. And, like, um, like the way we thought of it was, like, how many times are we asked these fun questions, like, what color would you paint the sky? Or if you could go anywhere in the world, where would you go? And this, and we came to realize that this is actually, like, an example of how Americans think. Abstract thinking is fun, creative, expressive. But other cultures don't work like this, and and this is, like, what we've come to realize. So questions like this actually confuse them. Like, when we were working with Togo and, um and like because their education system and what they've been trained is that there is a right answer and there is a wrong answer and so um we were very surprised by this realization but that's why we're now uh working with the girls to kind of change this narrative that they've been um kind of forced
1: into so I'm curious so that's amazing um, sharing about the culture. What, what have you learned from the girls themselves?
2: Okay. Yeah. So um, I think what we've all learned and I definitely agree on is that they're all incredibly smart, um, talented, passionate, and strong, really. They believe in the sisterhood and they believe that they can help one another and change the situations that they're in. But there is a lot working against them. you know. While an Afghan girl wants to be a political leader, she also fears for herself and her family due to the Taliban's persecution of minorities like her. Um, and while an Indian slum girl wants to be a doctor, she continues to struggle with the uphill battle against gender oppression and the ever looming threat of forced marriage at a young age. And what does that mean when you're forced to be married at a young age? Well, you have children at a young age, and then you know you're tied down into the domestic life, and you and oftentimes with these slum girls, it it repeats um, a cycle of poverty over and over. Um, and while the Togo girls want to understand and connect with these book club discussions and questions, um, and the participants, they're confused about what we are expecting that from them. Because, again, repeating what Coco said, it is about read and repeat for them. And so we are confusing them, and they're like, is this a, a, a trick question? We even have a video of um, the girls being um, talked to, and they look so confused when they're asked these questions, So I think that is definitely what we've learned.
1: Thank you. What role do you see education and empowerment playing in their lives? I mean, I think you've touched on this a little bit, but I'd love to hear more about how empowerment and the work that you're doing in your book club is playing out in the lives of the participants.
2: Right. So while our nonprofit isn't really about education, it is very much dependent on it, though. Um, And while the type of education is very black and white, you know, it is the girl's way out of marrying as a child, building, bearing children early, you know, and again, continuing the cycle and generation of poverty. um, I think the trick is getting the parents um, to trust and invest in their child's time and education, rather than marrying them off or forcing them to stay home and work in the family business. Um, Usually the farm or something, you know, manual labor like that. Um, And, you know, it it is a short-term gain if they do that, um, you know, marrying them off. But if the child gets a degree of education, they're likely to get a job that can bring in five times the amount um, the uneducated father can bring in, whether they're female or male. Um, And they're also more likely to continue educating their future children, um, creating a new cycle and breaking that chain. So it really is important in doing that. And also all the girls that we reach are able to get education. And so it helps. Definitely.
1: Anyone else want to tackle that question?
2: Yeah. Um, I also want to add
3: in, like, what was, what Daisy was going off of, how education really helps um, empower, like, the whole entire country. When a girl gets um, empowered, she is able to um, also empower the country. More people and more girls are more likely to get education, and it just helps the whole entire and. Um, it also trains the males, I'd also say, to respect them. You know, sometimes girls, they don't get that much respect in these sort of communities. So when they see, when the brothers see their sisters um, getting an education and being respected, um, it just brings this whole sort of empowerment to the girls.
1: It sounds like the the young women, the girls that participate, get a lot out of this um, experience. What have you heard from them that is isn't? That's inspired you to keep doing this work?
3: So, the Indian girls, um, what we've noticed is that they're starting to inspire other girls within their um, slump and getting more girls to talk and have started to open up more about their feelings and about the world and their life. And the Afghan girls, we've also noticed, have started to have more voice within their community and their. Um, talking less about how bad their conditions are and more about how they can change their situation um, in their community and their country. And all the girls, they are still in these horrible uh, conditions, whether it's living in a slum or being in poverty or being targeted by terrorist groups, they're all growing up and becoming powerful leaders.
1: I'm curious with the... But the challenges that you hear from these young women and the topics that you're covering, do you ever just want to stop and say, I'm enough, like, I can't do this anymore?
4: Yeah, so usually it's not because of um, the international girls, but more just because of our lives that sometimes make us want to like stop and like say enough, and you know, because like as freshmen and juniors in high school, and we have a lot of schoolwork and running a nonprofit that works with other countries, it can be taxing at times. And oftentimes, um, when we hit a roadblock or struggle with what direction we're going in, it can feel really overwhelming, and that makes us want to say it's been a good ride but we're done and like and this is usually you know when we're when we've been fighting with each other it's after like a long day and we're just exhausted um but in the end the work that we do is bigger than us and this is what we always come like our conclusion is is How do you tell the slum girls in India that their future of empowerment is not as important as like our overscheduled lives we live? Like, how do you tell the Afghan girls that while they're dealing with more than a decade long war, we're simply burning out, you know? And so we think of our sisterhood, um, and like how like at each other keep us from burning out um, because we've seen the impact that we've made and change in ourselves as well. And so in the end, even a long, exhausting day that would never come over like what we've done. So that's what we kind of think about. More the big picture than the small
1: picture. That's wonderful. Yeah. Um- I'm curious, um, before we go to break, if someone can share, we talked a lot about, you guys are are tackling really challenging issues. How did you create that safe space where the girls could come together um, when they might not feel safe at home or in their school? How did you create that safe space?
3: So as you have mentioned, um, these are vulnerable girls in different situations from men mental health struggles to poverty, um, more in isolation. And um, our number one priority is making sure that these girls feel safe and welcome to share all that's on their mind. And so, for so long, these girls are being told to be quiet and obedient and memorize and repeat. And these countries are constantly being told that they're less than, that they're lesser than. And, um, and the poor involvement, the aid, the exploitation, um, the work that we are doing is impactful because we are shifting the um, paradigm of these girls, and instead of throwing money and food at them, we're empowering them by changing how they feel about um, something. And in one way, um, they can solve their uh, social systems or be part of policymaking if they don't feel... there's. I mean, there's no way they can um, solve all these problems and be policymakers if they don't feel important or if they don't feel worthy and if they don't see themselves doing it. And so we do kind of determine our fate, we believe, that um, it all starts about how we feel about ourselves. So we've also noticed that um, when the Afghan and Indian girls um, talk to each other, they seem to feel uh, more empowered, and they come out of it believing that they can improve each other's situations and feel less pity for themselves in a way. Um, On the other hand, sometimes talking to Americans can be a reminder of everything Uh, that we just discussed, which is that we are the foreign involvement, and we are the aid, and we are the exploitation. And the power dynamic is skewed since they know that one false move, and the Americans could just pull the plug on all this. So that's one reason that we are considering taking Americans out of the conversation at some point and letting the other girls um, level the emotional playing field.
1: I think that's a good place for us to take our last short break. So when we come back, we're going to wrap up our conversation with the Leonard sisters. So stay with me, Amy Muirs on the power of young people to change the world. And don't forget, you can follow the show on social media at NYLCORG or find us at NYLC.org. We'll be right back.
0: Visit nylc.org to learn more today.
2: The White House doctor makes house calls. Listen every week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. Dr. Connie has served as the White House physician under three U.S. presidents. Now, she joins the Voice America Empowerment Channel to help you enrich yourself physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Our guests will include professionals from a variety of fields who will bring you tips that you can apply to your own life. Listen for House Calls with Dr. Connie every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel.
5: The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today.
0: You are listening to The Power of Young People to Change the World with Amy Muirz. To find out more about Amy and the National Youth Leadership Council, please visit nylc.org. Now back to the show.
1: Welcome back to The Power of Young People to Change the World. We're speaking with Daisy Sunny and Coco Leonard, social scientists and the founders of the Dynamic Champions of Sisterhood. Um, I wanna jump back in and talk about the challenges that you guys have encountered along the way. Can you tell us a little bit more about those and how you've overcome them?
2: Yeah, so I think a lot of our success in India and Afghanistan is due to a lot of invisible work that was done, you know, years prior. Um, And, you know, that's something that we've been considering as we work with other countries and new countries. Um, And we've had to consider their um, cultures, uh, their socioeconomic conditions, um, and their history that may, you know, present potential landmines for Americans to navigate. Um, And some of these include cultural expectations, like, um, you know, Americans, we're always go, 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 time, you know, and and other countries around the world, they work differently, and they have different ideas of timeliness and deadlines. Um, And then also, you know, westernization is a fear of parents in these other countries sometimes, and it can blow back on our participating girls. Um, and then, you know, there's with the girls, you know, changing their ideas and their thinking, um, that can challenge the status quo in their traditional communities, which can also be a risk. Um, and then, you know, there are other things like more financial things like economic dependency, where um, I think a lot of people, a lot of Americans don't think about it when they, you know, Send thousands of dollars to um, these other countries, but it creates a dependency um, in these countries. They rely on our, our, you know, giving them money, and they, and they, uh, it's not empowering, you know. Um, and finally, we need to always make sure that we're finding, you know, trusted international partners, whether that be from, you know. Facilitators to managers to translators—they all have to. We all have to be able to trust them, um, and they will make or break a program um, based on how they can bring out these, you know, conversations in these girls and all of the rest.
4: Yeah, and like another thing is um, the like mental health concerns for all participating girls and due to this, it, the book clubs can actually be disempowering and empowering, which is not what we want, such as American girls. So like the American culture has shifted a lot. And a lot of teens have a lower sense of commitment, less interest, less focus, less follow through. And there's a risk of American girls actually feeling constrained in the DCS project, which is what we don't want because they already live in stressful, overscheduled lives. The pandemic has made things even worse, at least for like mainstream kids. And this new cultural situation is impossible For us to change, but it does make the clubs difficult to manage without making the girls feel um, worse, such as like nagging them and stuff like that. But for the international girls, well, unfortunately, they all know the American girls carry um, their phones constantly, they have constant internet access. So When the American girls don't reply because they're too busy, they're overscheduled, it can easily be taken as offense, which is not what they mean. But it does um, hurt the international girls knowing that they have access to technology while the international girls have to walk miles or ride a bus and all get together at one separate time because they don't. Um, And this can actually cause a strain between the relationship between the international girls and the American girls. Um, and also this cult- cross-cultural concern can be a challenge, um, such as the U.S. being perceived as unreliable, lack of respect, and that global power imbalance between the rich and poor, which is something that we have been work- working on and like um, breaking that stereotype. And and yeah, so that that those are just some of the concerns and challenges that we've come across.
1: You guys are tackling some really powerful topics. Are you planning to expand the dynamic champions of sisterhood? And what does the future hold for your nonprofit?
4: Yeah, so um, this year and the next is actually dedicated to slowly passing off the program to the other countries, in a way, pushing our concept of empowerment to a whole new level. Um, These girls in countries. Hopefully, by the time Daisy and I go to college, um, we'll be able to sustain DCS's mission and continue book clubs on their own with the contacts we've used to connect them. Um, With this year of like training and connecting and future silent funding it will be truly an empowerment program. It's like they'll be the leaders in this and no longer will they always have that constant American involvement.
1: That's amazing. You're creating a replicable, replicable model that can be shared um, and really cha- challenging others to, to tackle this issue. Um, that's absolutely amazing. I would love to hear from each of you um, as we wrap up our time together. What have you learned about yourself through this experience?
3: Yeah, definitely. Um, I've learned how meaningful this is and being a part of the process and seeing the outcome has impacted the way that um, I see the world. I have a new understanding of the real world issues that these girls are facing, Um, hearing their stories, their hopes, their future goals that I have, how similar they are um, to me. Um, I feel so much more connected to kind of a larger part of me and a larger part of this world. Um, kind of being a part of like the global solutions and being a part of the solution. Um, I have learned about how I can create um, solutions because of my broader view and understanding the world and the people in it.
1: Daisy or Coco, do you want to share?
2: Sure. Yeah. So um, I can emulate a lot of what Sonny said too, um, where, I mean, you know, y- a lot of Americans, um, you know, they grow up with the with the yearning to, like, help people, to, you know, do those kind of things. But I feel like for me, and I always wanted to do that, too, um, but I didn't truly, I think, I wasn't awake and un Understanding what it really means to help and how helping can actually be damaging if you're not doing it correctly. Um, and so it, and it actually it helps me trace back to um, a lot of American involvement that wasn't necessarily helpful. Um, and it's taught me how to do it in a better way. Um, and so I really feel like as a global citizen, I, I know where I'm supposed to be and what I'm doing. Um, and I'm, I'm really happy to be a part of this.
1: You guys are absolutely phenomenal. I can I can't thank you enough for being on the show with me today. Um your work is so inspiring and you are truly changing the world. Um you can learn more about the dynamic champions of sisterhood by following NYLC on social media at org, or reading our blog, The Generator. Um, If you're an innovative young person and you're changing the world, or you're an adult who's passionate about engaging young people, send me an email at info at NYLC.org and we might just invite you to join us on the show. Next week, we have a jam packed session that we're gonna be um, experiencing. Joining me is going to be Karen Daniel, the Vice President of Programs for YSA. YSA works globally to improve communities through service and service learning. And then we're going to have Keith Blackwell, who's a fourth grader, and Kid Power Inc. Director Sterling Pino de Kid Power Inc. is a DC nonprofit that inspires the emotional wellness and positive civic engagement of underserved communities throughout the District of Columbia. So just like NYLC and YSA, Kid Power Inc. believes in the power of youth voice and that young people can change the world. I am so excited for this show. It's going to be dynamic. I am so grateful for you ladies for joining me today. You are truly, changing the world. So mark your calendars for Thursday. We're going to um, have a wonderful time. So please, until then, don't be afraid to serve, learn, change the world. Thank you all again for being with me.
0: Thank you for tuning in this week to The Power of Young People to Change the World. Your host, Amy Muers, will return for another program next Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Together, we'll serve, learn, change the world.